0: Hey everybody, welcome to the Legends of Tabletop podcast. Uh, We have something a little different for you today. This is a panel that I recorded at Tucson Comic-Con last year. Uh, This panel is about uh, bringing your GM game up. It's by Brandish Gilhelm, maybe better known as Runehammer in certain circles. This was a really fun panel. He's high energy, he's super entertaining, uh, and there's a lot of good information here. Uh, But before we jump into that, uh, I want to bring up uh, our sponsors. New sponsors, Thing 12 Games. We've been talking a lot about Dice of Pirates. It's a fast-paced game of piracy for two to six players. Uh, And it's uh, Thing 12 Games. They also made Dice of Crowns. And the cool thing is, you could play both of the games together. You can find it on the website. Uh, They've got some other cool stuff there as well. The aforementioned Dice of Crowns. uh, They also have Click Click Boom, which is a uh, bluffing social deduction game, party game. And you can also pre-order The Seals of Cthulhu, a two-player card game with a uh, Cthulhu theme on it. Uh, So please check that out. Also check out our other sponsor, Birds of a Feather Coffee. You can get the legendary brew there. And the cool thing is, You can use code LEGENDS10 at either place, and you're going to get 10% off your order. So please check out the sponsors, and we'll jump right into the show.
1: Hi guys. Hey everyone. Uh, my name's Brandon, my real name. You may probably don't know me. Oh wait, is that the Buffalo Stance? Okay. Um, my, I, I have other like internet names such as Henker and I'm also known as Brandish Gilhelm. That's like my author name. That's my author name. That's so weird. Uh, yeah, so I got invited to Comic-Con. So I assume that the fact that you guys are sitting here means you are all either D&D players or wannabe D&D players, or like longtime time d D&D players, or like recovering D&D players. Um, so the reason that Dave Hatt invited me, uh, I assume is either he's like on drugs or thought that I had something meaningful to say about D&D that could be cool. So I imagine it's probably both. Um, I, I'm sorry, I just have to tell you what just happened. That's how we're going to start. Okay, so we're sitting in the other room and playing what should not be called D&D. Like, D&D is the round boulder that is rolling behind me, and I'm Indiana Jones with the spider webs and shit. Like, I do not play legitimate D&D, and I'm not accepted by WotC or D&D in any way. So everyone needs to know that coming out of the gate, okay? So I have no actual like knowledge of any kind <laughs> so we're sitting there playing and a, a mom and a dad came up with their kid the kid was like what seven and came up and they were just like what is all this shit <laughs> so oh this probably will be r-rated i hope everyone's okay with that no problem. thank you thank you so they came up and they're just like what is this and we want to play and i was like oh my god yes i love little micro families that are open to like the weirding So we're starting to play, and we're doing our thing, we're rolling D20s, we're rolling damage, we're doing our thing, go through the door, and the thing jumps out, we got a timer, all the shit that basically I'm here to talk about today was happening, but you got like a seven-year-old up in this spot, and you got like parents who know absolutely nothing about D&D, and to me, this was a perfect, this is completely accidental, by the way, this is a completely real story, but it was a perfect crucible of sort of what I wanted to talk about today, which is sort of being a bitchin' ass Dungeon Master. So if you guys are here to think about that problem, like I want to be a super cool Dungeon Master. Like the one that is told of 10 years from now, 20 years from now, people will talk about that night where everybody crapped their pants because of the whatever. So it just happened, which is we're playing. I, I, get, I feel weird. My skin is like crawling thinking about it. So we're fighting skeletons, then there's like a skeleton that's way too big, and and, and, he's immune to damage until you do the thing, and then the block, and and you're playing the cleric, and kind of throw some heals from the back, and then the pillars fell down. And they're basically, I run a lot of timers in my game, which is what we're about to talk about. But the time was up. They're screwed. There's no getting out, which is one of my favorite scenarios in all of D&D. There's no winning. Everyone's going to die. And so what you have is the problem of facing how do you find yourself in the final frame of the comic book. Because there's no winning. You're screwed. And for a seven-year-old, this has got to be like, whoa. But it, it was okay. Because the tone at the table. So with the final turn, the kid, and the kid is at the end of the initiative order. The whole thing, the whole game, with 40, 45 minutes or so, two rooms of playing. He's to my right. And you guys, I don't know if you know me, but I play clockwise. So... He's he's it. He's the end of the book, and he's seven years old, and we're all like looking at him. (laughs) The kid is just like, I just wanted to be Zelda. Like I don't know what's happening. Well, Link technically. Okay, let's not get sloppy. So the kid, what are you gonna do? Like you're gonna stab the thing? You're gonna like run for your life? You're gonna grab some treasure or like hold your sword up and die like a Viking or something? No, the kid says, I'm gonna hug my dad. (laughs) But this is my game, so you have to roll for that shit. (laughs) You have to roll to hug your damn dad. You guys probably can see where the story is going. Nat fucking 20. That just happened like 90 seconds ago. Well, Okay, we don't walk that fast, but. So he rolls the nat 20 on the hug and the cleric is like 15 yards away, we said fuck it. The cleric also runs up, he's like, guys, bring it in. Boom, and all the rubble comes down and doesn't hit them <laughs> so, anyways that just happened and to me that's what i wanted to talk about so how do you get that shit to happen so if you guys are playing DD or like wanting to play it better or maybe wanting to get into it is really the most interesting scenario um you know I, I'm a big believer in the Zen mind, beginner's mind. So, like, people that are starting things t- seem to have all these possibilities. And people who have been doing it for a long time and are all awesome at it, they seem to have be more closed-minded. So I would invite you to, before we talk about this stuff, like, open up that Zen mind a little bit. And think about... Like, when I say the word D&D, I never mean D&D. I mean whatever the frick weird shit you guys are playing. I, I will even talk to and be human toward people playing Masquerade. It's okay. But you can play Masquerade even better, no matter how good you are at it. As a matter of fact, the better you are, I think, at playing, and especially dungeon mastering, you can get better. When you're a beginner, I mean, you're a beginner, so everything you do, you get better, right? You punch a board, you're a better puncher than you were like 10 seconds ago. But when you punch a board, for 10 years, you have to punch your way out of a buried coffin to be cool. So to do that, to punch your way out of the buried coffin, that's what I wanted to talk about. Okay, so does that feel like an intro? That makes sense? Is everybody like with me now? Are we, are we kinfolk? Damn, Airbender, you're crazy, dude. You're freaking me out. In a good way, though. Like, I kind of want to touch you a little bit, all right. And by touch, I mean like the whole, okay. This is so weird, you guys, I'm not used to this. I like to be like in a round table space where we're all equals. So I'm gonna try to make sure I keep looking at everyone. If I don't look at you enough, it's not because I don't love you, it's just because, ah, father. All right. Whew. So that's the intro, that's like the emotional, you guys, hey, I'm not weird, you can relate to me and I'm like a normal person, all right? So that's out of the way. Also, Lando, your mustache and just keep going back to it. Um, so actually, how do you actually improve? I had like a thing that I made, like a PowerPoint thing. It's so stupid. I felt like so dumb. (laughs) You guys, next slide. Dear Lord. So uh, instead, I just wanted to be myself. And it's strange to sit behind a table and try to be myself. But I want to hit you with the things. So there's, it could be a bullet list of any number of bullets. But I can usually try to cook it down to... Well, it has to be less than 10, because anything more than 10 is un- unrememberable by the human brain. So let's like, try to stick to sort of like five. So I guess there's the first damn point, is like anything beyond a very small number, you can't remember it. I don't care how cool you are or how smart, and take this as meaningful when you're dungeon mastering. You cannot remember 10 things. Everyone forgets bread when they go to the grocery store, because you wanted Gatorade gum, and like Red Bull and Godiva chocolate. That got really weird. And that makes for a hell of a night, right? So anyways, (laughs) you can't remember 10 freaking things. So if you're faced with a, a situation when you're dungeon mastering and you're like some force out there, Starfinder, which you're learning to play, is wanting you to write down 10 things, fuck that. Do not write them down. You only get to write down as many things as you can remember. And this, this rule is so brutal if you take it to heart. Now, I have a couple of my stupid book to give away, so like two of you will have like a yelling contest or something. But a lot of the stuff I'm gonna talk about is kinda of in here. Okay, you can't have more things than you can remember. So if you're sitting at your table, and in X number of rounds, the ceiling's gonna collapse, the torches can be pulled off the walls and used to burn the zombies because they have oily rags on their bodies. There is a weird sigil in the wall that if red will unlock the door that goes to another area, if, oh fuck, I'm only at what, three? I'm already starting to stumble. Actually, it's too late, game's over, fun's over. So screw five, I only got to three things. Those are all you get for the next hour of gameplay. And if you can adopt this, and truly believe it, take it in, your game gets so kick-ass. Now, I only have about 35 years of playing to go on and I know that like this whole hobby is massive. And if you guys are who, who, you th- who I think you are, you probably have comparable experience. Like you guys are dungeon masters, you're players, you're all into D&D. That, why are you even here? Such a weird talk to go to. But if you know that feeling of having all that experience and wanting to get better at it, then you're right here with me. So I only have that much experience to say what I'm saying. So if anything I say seems axiomatic, like it will be better. I, I, that's all I have is that experience for you guys to believe me. <laughs> it will be fricking better. The worst thing that can happen to your game is you're like, okay, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna hug my dad. And you're like, okay, just a second. Where's H? It's no hug in here, guys. Someone's on their cell phone. It's too late. The fun's over. So this is the first one. Okay. So you can only have as many things as you can remember. And how do you deal with that as you're trying to make like six-hour sessions your problem? But per intensity moment, you don't get five things. You don't even honestly. You guys will, if you take this internally, classes will become annoying to you. Like variable damage will become annoying to you like somebody will be like i'm gonna crush him what's your damage Mm -hmm. it's a mace i think is it a mace Uh, fun's over so this is why i've consolidated so many things in my game because i found that 2d6 plus 2 and 1d8 plus 4 are not fun in a different way They, they are not meaningfully separated so if you want a thing to be big there's one thing you have to remember big weapon that already took up one of only your three slots which this talk started with five now you only have three okay so enough of that point fuck that point we're done your lists and your bullets and the way you prep your game have to be so tiny that you just freaking remember them and i mean five hours of gameplay and if your players are cool they won't wonder why you're not looking at your book They'll know that like, oh, well, my shit is simple enough where I remember it. So when I pull out this big dude, well, he only has one mechanic and it's rememberable. Okay, move on. Wow. I love this thing, by the way. I feel like Tom Selleck can in Runaway. Okay. Smaller mustache. Second one, timers. God, I, I, you guys, I'm so uncomfortable sitting behind here. But all of you can't fit right here, so... Timers. So I I don't know if you guys, how many of you guys know about my YouTube channel? Oh my God, that's so awesome. (laughs) Yes, because it's it's worthless. Don't go to my YouTube channel. Play D&D. Don't look at YouTube. Okay, so one of the big things that got me into this bizarre position where now this is all I do was the idea of timers. So when I originally came out with it, It was perceived as sort of a way of trolling. It was very ill-received. And I had done it all my life. I've been playing that way since I played Rifts in the 80s. And uh, so I was just good to go. And at that time, I was also... I didn't really care what the reception to any of my ideas was. I I was at that beautiful beginning where nothing I did mattered. (laughs) Now it matters so much. Okay, sorry. The absurdity of it all just keeps coming back to me. Timers mean that you openly totally meta against all recommendation expose to your players how long it's going to be before the next cool thing happens you just freaking tell them this has been hurting my leg ever since we were over there this is this is the god of the timers and it hurts when it's in your pocket this is it this this is the the mighty tetrahedron so when we start first started using it, we would we actually described it as cool shit. This was way back playing rifts. I don't you anybody play rifts? Yeah, my dog. My bald dog over there. All right. So we would be like, "Oh fuck." Right? Instantly you feel like, "No. What does that even mean? I don't know." It means like a shuttle's going to crash into the garage. It means that the glitter boys are all going to drug out and explode. It means that the the acetylene tanks are going to catch fire and blow the whole scene to smithereens. It means I'm going to spawn an enemy. Cheating. Okay, then I roll that. Everybody's like, ah, we're fine. Especially if you play in a normal D&D group. Think about how long four rounds is. Sometimes that'll be the entire night. Because you'll be listening to the paladin. (laughs) Right? Okay, so you guys do play D&D. All right. This is the most powerful little nasty mofo you can put in your game. And it's probably the thing that got me the most noticed in my own small and meaningless way, was doing this. Now it can be rounds, which is, you know, I'm the DM, round, round, right? Or it can be, if you really want to be a jerk, it's turns. So it's just going, doink, 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 as you go. So let's say you spawn a goblin every this many turns. In time, your players hang on no roll more than this. They hate this thing. But then if it's a four, they all basically, like, go pee. Like, it doesn't matter anymore. We got, man, wait. It's like four turns till another goblin pops out, they got like four hit points or something, whatever. This is the biggest thing I can probably offer to you guys if you're trying to DM, like, faster, more on crack style. So. The accusation I get a lot with using this tool is that I've been called like a railroader, right? That's, I hope that's popping in some of yours minds. Like, well, my players kind of determine the pace of my game and they kind of are choosing what's going on. You're just like a, you're just like a dick. You're turning it into a video game. That's possible. Yep. That definitely happens at times, depending on how cool my prep is and how cool my ideas, how cool my players are. I can be a total freaking railroader. But there are cool things at the end of my railroad. So get on board. There are other times where this means weeks. So, whoa, we have three weeks? What's happening? Well, I don't know. I'm like, I'm trying to seduce the governor, right? That's a classic one. I'm making a suit of armor out of monkey bones. (laughs) Okay, great. Well, you know, the first week is spent, blah. The second week is spent, blah. And the third... It just confines the game. So I think enough, right? Enough on the damn timer point. Do this, you guys, worship this mofo. This is so badass. And the way you can start it, the easiest way to start it is use it as a spawner. So you come into a room, every 1d4 turns, not rounds, turns, a skeleton pops out of the wall. And then just watch the madness ensue. And there's no stopping the skeletons. Maybe that's the next point is infinite enemies. I don't know. That one's kind of weak, though. Okay. All right. So, timers in the scheme that's in my book is part of the triple T or like, ooh, it's so catchy. The three Ts. I really wish I had like some elevator music to back me up because I feel so fucked up right now. All right. So, the three Ts are timers, threats, and treats. So, uh, I think in rooms, so uh, a room is not to be taken literally. These are two rooms, and here's a corridor, right? This room could be the Pelennor Fields. <laughs> and this room is literally like a freaking shack. And this corridor is like when Faramir is running back from Osgiliath. Is everybody with me right now, conceptually? A room, a room is a chunk of fun. Okay, enough. Each room has three things every damn time because remember you only get to remember three things a room has a timer which we just talked about let's go back the timer in the pelinor fields is the freaking nazgul chasing faramir they're going to catch up they're going to kill them all remember they're like picking horses up and shit that was totally awesome the timer in the garage is like the zombies are pressing the door in and pretty soon they're going to knock it down the timer in the flight of Faramir's little group is like... Is it still the Nazgul? I don't think it is. It's almost like how far they run. Fine. There's a timer in all my rooms. Move on, dude. The next two are threats and treats. Threats are always the easiest thing to figure out. It's fucking goblins. You're good to go. Move on. Treats. Treats are, can be sometimes challenging. When you start using the 3T method, it's going to be easy. You always put a bush in the corner. Always put a bush in the corner, you guys. I don't care what game you're playing, if you're playing freaking Planescape, or whatever that weird Monty Cook thing is that just came out, where you're like a guy with like a, a penis umbrella. Um, anyway, moving on. Even in that game, there should be a bush in the corner. And everyone playing should always be like, why is there a bush in the corner? If they're not asking that, like these players are, I don't know, looking at their phones too much. So. They need to be like, I'm gonna go check out that bush. Perception check or whatever. Oh man, look, there's berries on here. They each heal 1d6. That is the most old school, most super basic form of a treat in a room. Now you wanna be cool and Mario with it, you put the bush in a glass box. <laughs> <laughs> be a jerk. And it's right in the middle, it's right, right there. There's a bush in a glass box all the goblins are coming in because I don't have a better example. And it's like a really nice bush. It's like a singing bush. It's like well cut. I'm so sorry. Um, but there it is. Uh, the only way to open the glass box is to, I don't know, friggin' talk to John Travolta. But it doesn't matter because you've built a trope into your game that you can use a million times. The bush. Now pretty soon, if you're like me, you're going to get tired of the bush. I love just saying that over and over, but you're just going to get tired of it because it's going to be like, oh, where's the the healing berries? So that's when the treat concept in your room design is going to get interesting. Come up with new ones. A great one is a lever. I know a lot of DMs that do this. There's a big-ass lever at the far end of the room, and there's like lava between you and the lever. I don't care what the hell that lever does, players are dying to pull that thing. It could be the kill-all-players level, or lever, and and they'll still just be like, I can't make the strength roll! I'm trying to kill us all, shut up! (laughs) Like, it's like, it's going to make me somebody if I pull this damn lever. Okay, so that's the next kind of easy one. Now, as you get into it, boy, you can get dirty with the treat. The treat can be the nastiest thing, especially if you get to know your players, and you know like, oh yeah, these guys are all like heavy metal viking dudes. Oh, I know exactly how to fuck with them. I know the treat to give, oh, it's like a guitar. There's a guitar in the far end of the room. Well, it's like the 13th century. What, on Earth? We're not on Earth, dude. It like has two strings. It's it's an electric lute, asshole. There's an electric lute at the far end of the room. And actually, it's like being struck intermittently by like arcs of energy. I don't know any like Viking type dude players who are gonna be like, ah, whatever let's move on there's a lever over there <laughs> <laughs> so then there's other players who are much more nuanced and very poetic right like if you take the critical role type player there are always these players that have these like nuanced family love relationships you know where this raven queen shit and like this unrequited love and all this other weird stuff that's your treat you put their their love their lost family member their their corrupted brother you get all freaking heavy with it. Get all Nietzschean and Fausty with it. Now, it's not as easy as a bush. But you guys are Dungeon Masters and DM players. You can totally get Fausty. Right? You can You can have personal transformation waiting right over there. The golden cockroach. So that's the third one. So you have your timers, your threats, and your treats. Now, the wilder you get with it, your timer turns into total annihilation. It's what I call like an extreme timer. This is like the room's filling with frickin' magma. Liquid hot magma. Um, it's extreme, there's no way out. It's not kind of like a guy's gonna pop out of the wall. No, it's like you literally have shit one round before this room is, is ash. So what are you gonna do with that time? And if one guy doesn't bother to leave the room, he's toast, man, don't be, don't be squeamish. And do not roll this thing behind a DM screen no matter what you do, you're a chicken. Matter of fact, the only thing I know DM screens are good for is to have like your weed back here and, uh, and maybe like some minis that you're gonna pull out and like whiskey you don't wanna share. <laughs> but never, ever, ever roll dice behind a DM screen if you believe anything I'm saying. And if you haven't tried that before, try in your next session. It will make things just a living hell for everyone involved and in a good way. <laughs> Not like literal, you know, like, I really want to go home because I feel abused right now. But, you know, especially like attack rolls and damage rolls and have them out in the open and it's non-negotiable. You as the DM are no longer the troll who wants to kill players. You're a victim of this cruel physics BS. So then threats can also become extreme. Threats can be, we did a, a game called Viking Death Squad about a month ago. And it was basically a game that was built on the Ozzy Osbourne song War Pigs. And so the theme was these Vikings are awakened in this coffin in space and they have to like base jump. Dave, you know what's up. They have to base jump out of the coffin in space down through the atmosphere and then they find all these machines that have leveled the earth and then they take this beam down into the center of the earth where Lucifer is waiting but the beam fucks with him. It turns one of them into Satan and he has to battle all his old friends and try to t- trick him into joining him and all this fucked up shit. But that's not the problem. That's not the threat. The threat is that the coffin ships are, like, are, are falling out of orbit. And they're all falling down on the earth. The earth is done. And we reached a point, and this is sort of my next piece, try the session ending dice. It is so kick ass. And don't use this because it can be a little too sudden. Try using a D6. So you remember this, the coffins are coming down and it's like in D6 rounds. The coffins like blow the earth to bits, you know, <laughs> got a one, of course, but there's no role that you hang on more because it's no longer about like, I'm going to beat Satan. I hope I roll a crit. You know, it's much more about like, how am I going to meet the end? And that to me is a much more like uh, Matt Mercer style, critical kind of more high, high nuance tone to the game. So try that. You, you'll know when the time comes. I, I got to go Yoda on this one with you. Like, when am I supposed to roll session ending dice? Oh, you'll freaking know. It's like when they behead somebody you never thought they would beat. And you're like, oh, damn. He just rolled like 53 damage on my, you know, in that many rounds, the game's over for tonight. Give it a try. It's amazing what happens because everybody shits their pants and becomes all epic. Even if all they're doing is like picking a lock on a treasure chest and hoping to like get what's inside. We had another one where a guy was trying to, I have like a spell learning mechanic. Sometimes it takes more than one round to learn a new spell. And like everything is cascading down. It's the end of the game and the guy's just like, I'm gonna try learning again. He's like rolls and he like gets halfway there and it's just like, dude, it's, you know, it's like 1 a.m. Like that's late because I'm 45 years old. So what are you going to do? You know, like everybody's kind of helping each other and getting out of here. He's like, I'm going to try to learn the spell. (laughs) So it may not have the effect of like everything's cool now. Nothing I tell you is going to have that effect. No game makes anything cool. It's you and your players make it cool. So give it a try. That's my third item, right? So we got, you can only remember a few things. Timer threats and treats and session ender. You are going to be a session ender. You're that person. And you know what's great? The hardest thing in all of this hobby that I hope all you guys do along with me is knowing when I get to go home. Like at the end, man, people just play like for four days and shit. Like I got a lawn to mow. But I don't want to be that jerkwad who has to tell the paladin to shut up. But someone has to like, you guys... Like, I'm on my, like, 17th monster. I'm drinking that white one now. Like, that's fucked up. I don't want to drink that white one, man. So it's beautiful because it gives, and it could be mid-combat. It could be, like, one dude is down and needs has, like, one death save left, and it's just, like, this whole huge, oh, we're out of time, guys. Sorry, the, the dice just clicked to zero. Man, there's no cooler way to end a session. Instead of, like, we're in town now, and I hate my existence because I don't know what to do. Ugh. I guess I'll talk to that guy. What's his name? I don't, know. don't end sessions that way. Okay, fine. Enough reinforcement of that concept. So, what were they? Oh, yeah. You can't remember shit. Three Ts. End that freaking session. What else we got? I have other cool acronyms like do the do. Uh, logs. Um, the oath. The oath. The oath is too heavy for this forum. You guys gotta come out drinking with me tonight if you wanna do the oath. So, what do you guys think? And you you don't have any information to decide. Should we do logs or do the do? Which sounds better? Logs. Damn, that was so decisive. Fuck the rest of you. Logs. Logs are location, obstacle, goal. All right, so. (laughs) This is my, (laughs) this is so dumb. (laughs) Location, obstacle, goal. Where are we? What the fuck are we trying to do? And why can't we just do it? This is not like a new concept to any of you guys. It's we are in the garage. We want to go in the living room. Goblins. (laughs) Fuck. Where's the bush? Right? (laughs) But this is how you can build everything. Because remember, you're dumb like me. Sorry, there it is. You can't figure out how to do campaigns and fucking story arcs and shit. You don't have a team of writers. You don't have a production studio. You know, uh, half the time you don't even know where your pants are. So I'm in the garage. I want to go in the living room because there's chicken in there. Goblins. Like they're in that that fucked up doorway that like houses in the 70s had that connected the living room and the garage. Okay, sorry. Whew. The 70s just tickle me every time. Okay. On a bigger level, we are in Greyhawk, Lord Soth, the army of the undead. We are in Lost in a Spelljammer in deep space. We need to find Toril, Mindflayer Fleet. We are in Moria, and we want to go to wherever the fuck they went after Moria, where like Frodo's crying... Balrog, right? Location, obstacle, goal. Now, at first, you're like, this is so new. But if you're playing continuously for like five years, you're out of ideas. (laughs) Like, you're fucked. (laughs) And you're like the DMs. You're like, you you have to clean your bathroom for people to come over, much less write a cool story. So that's where logs started being really helpful for me. (laughs) I got to be quoted on that. Uh, can that, is that going to be on the internet? Oh, yeah. Logs are really helpful for me. That's it. All right. <laughs> yes, yes. The more solid, the better. So a great way is that you almost always know this one. You almost always know the location. It's where your guys already are and they, they, usually they decide this. Now it gets interesting when your players determine this one. They decide the goal. And if your players are sort of like numb nuts, you may never find that, that time. And that's okay. You can tell them what the goal is. You gotta go beat Lord Soth, guys, because he's kind of a jerk and he's got this rose and purple stuff's coming out of his eyes. And they're like, oh, fuck that guy, right? But if, if you get, like, the cooler players, which you will if you play long enough, they'll be like, you know, we're not really the military type. We kind of just want to get this cabin really squared away. You know what I mean? Okay, cool. Then the goal is a nice cabin. Your location is currently entangled in a giant war with the undead. Your obstacle is kind of like how Aeolus had to be written out of Hercules. Anyone? I went too far back. What's that? Kevin Sorbo back in the day. Thank you, but it wasn't Kevin Sorbo, it was his sidekick. Aeolus is the blonde guy, though. Like, no one could ever figure out why he was on the show. And then Gabby came in. And Gabby, like, made Aeolus look like garbage. Because, I mean, Gabby, right? Every Xena needs its Gabby. Uh, anyways, Aeolus is basically written out of the story. Because he ha- he starts he's fighting so much he's realizing he's putting his life on the line all the time and he's like kind of doing a disres- disrespect to his family and he's like yo Hercules man you're a son of a god you got nothing on the line but I've got like got like a hottie with a body back there and like two scrubs like I can't be doing this adventure life and man it made a fantastic storyline for that super super horrible show because they had to go to hell and stuff and Aeolus is like I won't and Hercules like you're a traitor if you don't come with me. And then there was like a Power Glove commercial. All right, so anyways, that's logs. Logs is one of the easiest ones, but I do think it's still on the level of like the three Ts and stuff. It's just, I'm not gonna like get notoriety about it because I think it's a common method, but I just wanna put it in the arsenal and that's four things, right? So how are we doing on time, man? Can we have like interactive mode? You guys wanna do interactive mode? Okay, cool. So, four things is all I can really remember meaningfully. I'm sure there's like way more, because nine is my favorite number. But, uh, I can't remember nine things. And then I got free garbage. So I got two books and uh, a deck of 52 cards here. This is just, I don't know, just my garbagey art on 52 cards. And I got this Warframe comic, which is gonna blow your fucking mind. Not a single facial expression in this whole thing. <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean to troll Warframe. Okay, so... What do you guys think? What's, anybody... Ask me something cool. So when you're
0: doing a campaign where you have a set narrative, there's some stuff you
1: really need to get on track. You have to, to real record it. How do you balance doing the narrative versus the organic gameplay of what you're playing? Your play? Oh, man, that's a big, baller-ass question. What I do is I try to only let you go to the world map at the end of the stage. That's like Mario talk. So it's like... When you guys come over, you get to pick almost nothing, except like what to drink and where to sit. But we're gonna freaking do this. Behold, I'm a dungeon master, I'm I'm a badass at it. But then, once the session's sort of near the end, everything is open to them, everything. And the only way you can truly walk that path and be honest is, I hate to tell you this, you can really only prepare one night at a time. And you just have to accept it. It's so hard to accept, but if you do, you will find that it all becomes about their little world and it's just wonderful. But you feel like such a tool when you're like, new campaign, planescape, motherfuckers. (laughs) We're going retro. And then I sit down and I'm like, five bullets, I'm done. Shit. Well, I got my goblins in my bush, so I guess I'll go have a beer, right? But that's my answer. Separate the two. They're oil and water. It can't be like, you get this bitch like genius nuanced dungeon with all these interlocking pieces because you guys are deciding. <laughs> Fuck no. You kidding? That's my brain. But at the end, when the fields are in front of them or one of them is dead or, you know, they're near death and they're kind of like, ah, ah then that's a great time to use, I, I call it tribunal, and I only gave it a corny name because it puts everyone on a defensive and makes them really honest. So what I'll do is we reach a point where I know the night is over, either because of the dice or because, like, somebody disappeared. <laughs> totally happened. He was asleep in my yard. And I'll be like, all right, tribunal, guys, what, what's, what's going, what's really, what are you doing? Like, what's coming here? In character now. Well, I mean, you don't have to use like a weird accent. But you know, what is it What is it you're doing? What are you wanting to do? And I don't actually even care what they say. I'm, I'm mining them. I'm, I'm, I'm going psychologist on them. I'm like, do you want to go into the tunnel, Clarice? And even if they say yes, I'm reading them to see if they really want that. And then I want to use that and twist that little mind worm and fuck with what they want and take it away and give it but I only do it when they're on the world map. And the dots that are on my Mario map are dirty, gross, gnarly dots. It's not like, want to go back to town? No, <laughs> no, it's like, do you want to eat your brother to survive, <laughs> right? That's a great one to hit him with. Then it doesn't matter what they say. Yes, well, okay, you eat him. No, that's not what happens. You use it and mine it. But the short answer is don't mix the two. You know, and don't put that burden on yourself, because it's frickin' impossible. And if you see it happen in games, it's almost always inadvertent. And it's lucky because players and DMs get like, in synchronous, especially after like, two years of playing together. They're all intuiting the same ends. They know we're gonna go be immortals, and we're gonna have a spell jammer, and we're gonna, you know, fly a galleon and all this shit, right? But I would dare you to to goodwill hunting that shit. Always extract yourself from their psychology. Always put yourself over it. So during the game, you are fair and wonderful and you just want everybody to have fun and you're, it's give and take. But when it comes time for that, you're axiomatic, you're a cruel god, you're absolute. It's your way of the highway. But for me, it's been useful to use that word tribunal. Tribunal, guys. Do you think the paladin's a dick? That's a great way to do it. But since I use the word tribunal, everybody's like, oh yeah, I totally think he's an asshole. I mean, my player would never say that. But it's tribunal, right? No, I was kidding. <laughs> so is that is that a decent answer? That okay. Anybody else got cool questions to instigate nonsense? What's up, my Viking brother?
0: <laughs> um, I've always uh, had a problem because I like to limit my players as little as possible when they're creating characters and stuff. I think really, I like to see the really creative stuff come out. Yeah. Uh, but like, how do you have any tips? I know this tribunal thing actually might be a good idea. I might have to try that. But uh, do you have any tips when it comes to trying to keep a story, a campaign together when you've got conflicting alignments in the party? Because yeah. that always seems like a big roadblock to Pops.
1: Up. It is, so it I'm is. A and,
0: and the lawful leader, an uh, evil wizard, and like, how do I get a paladin to work along with lawful le- or a, uh, a lawful wizard or a chaotic evil wizard? like?
1: Yeah. So make them- did, did they start that way? Did they set out to have this conflict? like hey dude you roll a, an evil wizard and I'll be like a good guy not, not inherently
0: they're just terrible people
1: I see yeah you know and unfortunately it's pretty common in the hobby you know like gloating and enjoying low level conflict are actually pretty common in D&D and it's unfortunate but it's totally real so you got, two, you got two choices I've totally walked these roads too so I'm not just talking out of my butt you got two choices fuck that So they're creating these characters, and I'm like, fuck you. No, I'm an evil wizard who hates the party. No, you're not. Do you want to play in this game? Fuck you. Let's move forward. I mean, be neutral at least, a-hole. Okay, all right. So that's just like brutal, gnarly honesty, right? But that's at the time of character creation. You don't have that luxury, it sounds like to me, right? These guys are in, and they're invested in these assholes. So what I would do is I would basically like pull out my M. Bison, right? M. Bison is this like supreme sort of conformity character. And what you want to do is you want to give these guys an, an unyielding dilemma. And they have to yield in one direction or the other. And you can give it a bunch of different forms. So your location is group in conflict. Your goal is group in harmony, right? your obstacle is this M. Bison character. And he shows up and he's like, you either join me or I destroy you. Or you either join me or you join her. That's another great way to do it, right? And they're like, what do you mean her? And they look over and it's like, you know, fucking Overwatch, right? So, but you see what I'm saying? You don't want to be the guy that says, I am the DM and I will now harmonize the group. You're fucked, it'll never work. But you can have a character that can say that. And you can actually even say that to them. Like, what could it be? I mean, I just always come back to like a totalitarian figure. He's like, either pull it together or here it comes. And if you're gonna have here it comes, you need to be serious about it. You need to have coffin ships crashing in from space. You need to be ready to destroy the world in the exchange for harmony. Because there is no game without harmony to me. If your players are in character, fuck your game. Are or, or in conflict fuck your game. It's not a game. It sounds like hell And if somebody's being a dick and they're like using D&D to play out this conflict fuck that person Either get them out of your game or the easier way to just is to just end the game Just be like And you don't have to end it with like some kind of cool cataclysm You're just like guys uh, this conflict thing is it sucks And what I can do when I've had that happen to me This is actually where the word tribunal was invented Is that I gathered my group that had this problem not at the table and not to play D&D. We got together at the pub. And then, this part is not easy, dude, but I gotta hit you with it. That's where you need your Viking spirit. And you'd be like, guys, this fucking sucks. So can we like kind of align things? You know, again, it's a little goodwill hunting, right? Like you really gotta get all honest and awkward, but that's what the word tribunal is for. That makes you feel like it's somehow cool. And when there's an agreement, we have this thing called the spear in the skull and that that means is the spear in the skull is what we ask and that means is this resolved because honestly we are people who play tabletop RPGs we are socially bizarre we have all kinds of hang-ups we can be introverts extroverts impatient with other people like hermits you know I really playing d is almost the main way I even interact with any other human being so we have these terms that help with the weirdest things you can ask people like is everyone in agreement now like no, no one says that so so we have this idea of like at the end of the tribunal we put the spear in the skull and no one can pull the spear out until the next tribunal so i would challenge you to directly confront your asshole and if they remain stubborn with it Then you do the next step, which is like what all cop TV shows do, which is you need to talk to him in private. And that's even more awkward. That's like the absolute limit of awkwardness. That means you really want this person in your game and you're going to go to the absolute limit to talk to them in private. Because you don't want to call somebody out in front of other people. But in private, you can be like, you're such a dick. Stop being a dick. Because, you know, I got like feelings and shit. So I'm going to have to say fuck you. If this continues. Like, can we jam? all right is that does that kind of answer it I know it doesn't make your situation any easier but I want to give you words for it yeah okay cool so I hope you don't have that for long cuz fuck that also fuck evil wizards my group spends their entire life eradicating evil wizards so if our parties meet like it's not gonna be cool like the kegs gonna be gone in no time (laughs) yeah Right we're trying to get rid of this guy. <laughs> and he's back there like, I'm so Raceland. No, you're not. He was a good guy. All right. Anybody else got one? Yeah, buddy. How do you deal with players who constantly they want to split up all the time? It's, it's a quest, about but let's nice. You get the cheeseburger. I'll grab a beer. <laughs> and it's like, how can you do something like, all
0: right, you get a turn, and then you get a turn, and then you get
1: a turn, and then like, there's nights where I spent like two nights on just
0: these two characters. is like four of the players. It's like, guys, can you, like, group together at least for one night gonna, like,
1: no, we'd like to do own thing. Why did they have the chance to do that? Like, what, what gave them the opportunity to split in this case? Did you have, like, a, a branching dungeon? I don't remember. It was a little while ago. Maybe, yeah. There's, like,
0: branching dungeons, I've like, had, like, bounty boards that they just sort of do their own thing. And
1: right. Kind of, like, struggle. So, uh, one solution for this is, uh, how come people aren't buying Caramello anymore? Yeah. It's because there are too many funnels of products in stores now, and Caramello is only in one or two of them. No matter what you do, players are cats, and they're just going to freaking run all over your shit, right? Let's just take that as a given. So what's the worst thing you could give them? It would be like a sphere (laughs) with no barriers on it. And then if you put a Caramelo on that sphere, the odds of them running into it are nil. So I wanna give you a hard answer, which is like your players didn't do anything wrong. The architecture of the space they were in let them do that. And that's what you have to eliminate from your game. Now they can do that if, like this means months, and we have two months, fucking so go wherever you want, right? And we're just kinda, of, we're in meta mode, right? We're just kinda, of, I'm learning Spanish. But if we're in like dungeon mode, your architecture, it needs to be like the Guggenheim, right? You never miss a single piece of art in the Guggenheim. But you feel like you can go wherever you want. It's a total illusion. It's a fucking corkscrew. <laughs> but the whole time you're just like, oh, I'm over here, yeah, we're chatting by the stairs. you know. And then, oh, I'm up here on the third level. Actually, you're just walking in a freaking straight line the entire time. So it's actually one of the videos I put out recently is a dungeon that's a giant straight line. And my players had a freaking blast with it. And I only, I did it basically like Sonic. It's just this conveyor belt of shit. And then there's a Minotaur in the conveyor belt. And then there's a Caramello. And then there's a fucking mind flayer. And you know what? It, they Never once did these players be like, well, how come we're in this darn straight line? They, they don't say that. They're too busy not dying. And so I would actually, critique you a little bit and say that maybe your architecture let them do that now you are awesome because you're trying to give them each their independent experience and all this cool shit right you can do a little bit of that like if you're gonna get a cheeseburger you're gonna get a beer Cheeseburgers kind of right over there that's how the guggenheim works you know you can go look at the classics or i can go be over here in modern art and i can still be like what's up dude butts right right but we're like you know, we're still kind of conceptually together. And that's what I would invite you to do. And honestly, I think a lot of DMs break their brain on this split-the-party thing. That's why it's like an endless meme. Never split the party. I mean, well, then Friday the 13th came around to really drive it home, but like, don't split the party, not because we're going to get killed, but because it sucks. And so, you as the DM are making basically a fucking straight line that squiggles. And the the divergence that players get is not in where they are, it's who they are and, and and how they respond and like how they treat a corner or how they treat someone falling down. That is the branching of the game and if, and if you can encourage that and you know kind of keep all the cats in the little thing, uh, man, let's just, let's just stack the metaphors on, fuck it. Your game becomes like this what I call a water slide. When you get in the top you 're going to wee all the way down to the pool. And it's fun. You're not like, darn it, I never got to choose which way to go. But then you're in the pool and we're back to your question, which is like, ooh, what ride should I go on next? Minotaur, right? Or mind flayer room or like traps. But not like, okay guys, we're going to the dungeon. There's four doors in front of you and they all go opposite directions and like they're all soundproof. (laughs) Oh my God. Does that make sense? Does that sound like a good answer? So unfortunately, it's a little bit like change your game a little bit. But let your players be free within a tighter space. Really, take a look at the architecture of the Guggenheim. I mean that as a literal example. It's, it's bloody genius. How the entrances work, how it all functions to funnel and give people freedom. And, and in general, understanding the principles of classical architecture is one of the hugest investments you can make in being a good DM. It's a very complex and big topic, but goddamn will it open your mind to how people interact with space. And in good spaces, they do not go in opposite directions. They kinda, you know, snack stand is over there. If there's an entrance on this side of the room, there's probably one here that mirrors it, right? That's classic architecture. That's, I mean, that's like the Roman seven or something. There's this book of like seven principles, has a cool Roman name. You can look it up, (laughs) it's cool ending. Okay, what do we got? Time for like one more? Okay. Are you Trigun? Yes. Dope. Alright, keep going. Oh, uh, well, so like, like, the 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 like they're prisoners. No, he was just going to talk to the wizard at the top of the tower. So he like popped out and started climbing? Oh like you couldn't stop him. Whoa. Okay, so you had a player running amok through your challenges. The tower is not salient, right? He's just going he was bolting to the end.
0: Not really, just going through every room, checking every box for who knows
1: what. Like at a speed that you couldn't control. Like, nothing was stopping, like, what's wrong? That sounds like fun to me. <laughs> I just
0: didn't have anything prepared for it. You didn't give me enough time to think something
1: for it. Interesting. It
0: sounds like he's avoiding what the actual quest is. And-
1: yeah, yeah, not having fun with all the cool stuff. Is that the problem? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I think that people, this, can, this has a lot of different forms, but you can often underestimate players. That's really kind of what I'm hearing. Like, man, are they crafty and never give a fuck about what you want them to care about. And I swear they're all on cocaine. And they're just, their sense of morality is just warped as all fuck, right? And, and not only that, they're smart, they have all these interlacing powers and they're pathfindering my ass all up the wall. So what I do, and this is another thing that I'm not necessarily loved for, but I have a brutally, brutally hard game. And it takes a lot of wits as a DM to make your game hard because your players are so cool. And you can't just be a jerk. You can't just be like, D Tem rocks fall, you know, that's the old meme. But you can put salient barriers that force them, not gently either, man, just force them to enjoy the art in the Guggenheim. You get to look at five pieces of art and there's this freaking adamantium door. And they're like, there's no adamantium in this universe. There is now. I'm the DM. This door is totally indestructible. It's like some freaking Stargate shit. Right? And they need to work together in some fun and simple way that cannot take one person. Right? It's just like launching a nuke. A guy can't run down in the bunker and hit a red button. You gotta have two guys with the keys and they go through and they do all that cool war game shit, right? So I would, unfortunately, it's an answer very similar to yours, which is kind of like damn, my player ran amok. Okay, cool. First of all, awesome for him. He needs a ton of experience, and that those deeds should be heralded for ages to come. All right? Let's make that clear. But then in the next dungeon, you're like, I'm not dumb, dude. This time, you have four pieces of cheese. Each piece of cheese can open a door, and there are six doors in succession. What? Exactly. Now you got them. And there's no negotiating the cheese. So, whoa, where do they run out? The beginning, the end? Do they try to jigger the first door so that they have cheese for the last. Do you see what I'm getting at? Yeah. Is you, if you really want them to look at the painting of the butt, there has to be a cool and non merciful reason to look at the butt because they'll just be like, I don't care about classic art. I just want to run to the top as you described. So get that, that big nerve, be wrath of Khan with your shit. It's just like Kobayashi Maru, man, I'm just stacking the references up. just There is no other way to win but the one that I have waiting until we come back to the pool at the end of the water slide. Then it's up for negotiation. Does that kind of help? But that is a tough challenge. I know, man, like my players do things I never, ever. It's like I've got a beholder in a room full of mirrors. Yeah, we're not going in there. We we went around. We climbed. Well, it's like a 25 climb, D.C. 32. Fuck, dude. You didn't even bring snacks. All right, well, thanks, everybody, for coming. Um, who wants one of these? Oh, shit, all right. Okay, what number did I roll? Who said one back there? The guy in the way back? All right, come and get a book. All right, let's play again. It's kind of like, yeah. I need a little fob that says that. All
0: right.
1: One. I swear this is not fixed. Playing the odds. One more time, ready? I heard a three over here. My man, Silent Bob. Right on. Okay, thanks for coming you guys. Go forth and play!
0: This podcast is a proud member of the Legends of Tabletop Broadcast Network. For more gaming-related content, please visit www.LegendsofTabletop.com. Do I... I'll just press it now, and then I'll just add it. Is it
1: happening? Yes, it's happening.
0: Uh... Ah, uh. uh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> says you, cyborgs and Muppets were like this far apart. One has a hand up the butt, the other doesn't. That's not entirely true, actually. Warframe is a weird choice for a comic book because they don't have facial expressions. <laughs> All right.